Hello and welcome to OU's Nach Yomi. You can find this year posted at ouradio.org/nach or on my website ericlevy.com under the recording section. Hi, this is Rabbi Eric Levy, and I am pleased to bring to you Chapter 14 of the Book of Eov, Perak Yudalim. Adam Yelud Isha Kitsar Yamim Usva Rogez. A man is born of woman, short-lived and full of sorrow. Or translate Rogez as anger, distress, pain, stress. It all it all fits. It reminds me of the movie of the Men in Black. That was with Will Smith. And if you remember, the bad guy was an interstellar cockroach. And he said to an exterminator that he found, well, let me play you the clip. Everywhere I look at that, nothing but undeveloped, unevolved, barely conscious pawn skull. Totally convinced of their own superiority as they scurry about short, pointless lives. Essentially, Eov is really continuing his... Uh, idea, his speech that he started previously uh, about man's significance, which then brings it to question why God bother, bothers either paying attention to his actions uh, or punishing his sins or the actions that he that he makes. When Eov mentions that man is born of woman, he is referring to a very to that very physical conception, which is a, a ritually impure process. There is a sense that there is something imperfect in the act of um, the uh, conception, the bearing of children as nature itself, as sort of a symbol of nature, which is itself imperfect because it's not godlike. This appears in David's famous Psalm 51 when he says, But it is not the same as the early Christian idea of the original sin, so one should not make that, uh, that direct comparison. That would really not be right. Ketzitz, Eov continues, Ketzitz yatsa vayimal vayivrach katzel velo yamo, like a sprout that comes out and then dries up, it, that is the life of man, flees like a shadow, it does not endure. Af alzeh pakachta inecha veoti tavi mach, on this, that is this insignificant thing, which is human life, must you be focused on? Must you take me to court against you? Now, remember that before this, Eov said he wanted to take God to court. But that's not what he means here. What he means here is that the case that he now wants is only necessary because God's case against him, when God took him to task for what Eov's saying is the simple, quote-unquote, sin of simply being an imperfect human being. Mi tain tahor mi tame lo echad. Now usually mi tain, as I mentioned previously in chapter six, means halavai, if only it were. But here it means literally who can give or who can make something pure out of something impure, something ritually clean out of something ritually unclean. No one, lo echad. You see, he agrees with his friends, with Eliphaz, with Bildad, with Sofar, that man is by definition less than God, and then by definition, imperfect. What he doesn't agree with with them about is that these inherent impurities of being a human being are deserving of God's punishments or even his attention. So since man is stuck with his imperfection or his impurity, 
And that point cannot be changed by definition because God does not take man and make him higher than man. Then why should he bother judge him? Why should he bring him to court to make him better when something you can't make something out of nothing and you can't make a tahor out of a tameh? And he's saying what he's going to say in this passage is that it's God. God, this is God's intent to make man the way he was. So how could God expect more? If man's days are etched, meaning like etches that a person makes on the walls to mark off their passing days, the number of months are with you. That is, you set them up. You carved for him. You carved out the number of days he will live. And it's a number that, lo yavor, that he cannot surpass. He simply can't live outside of what you yourself has limited to him uh, limit him to so since man's mortality in fact the very number of his days and therefore his very imperfection is in your hands with intent as his creator turn away from him so that he could cease apparently what he means is cease to suffer or perhaps cease to live until he like a hired hand will get to enjoy his day. And this goes back to what Eov said in the first verse of chapter 7, just let me die, and then I will see some relief, and I will see my end, much like a, a an employee looks forward to that uh, whistle that marks off the end of work. Now from verse 7 and on, Eov seems to be responding to Bildad's claim in chapter 8, that a wicked person is not is like a reed, that withers away when it is uprooted, but a righteous person is like a tree that whose roots can be replanted and therefore, therefore could essentially be brought back to life after being uprooted. Eov will not disagree with the image, the imagery. He will, however, reject the comparison that Bildad makes. And, and this will take him to the very dicey issue of whether resurrection is a solution, is a way to relieve oneself of um, one's current troubles. Indeed, he agrees with him. There is hope for a tree. Even if it gets cut down, it will find an alternative. And its offshoots, its new uh, uh, branches or roots will not cease. Even if its roots become aged, too aged in the ground, and its trunk dies in the dirt, its flower, it will flower from the water's aroma, the scent, I think that means the vapor or the mist, and it will sprout like a new sapling. So Bildad is right. A tree not only has great survival capacity, but it can be brought back to life. But Bildad's mashal, his parable, the referent behind the imagery, is not apropos because v'gever yamut v'yechelash v'yigva adam v'ayo. A person dies and weakens, a man perishes, and then where is he? I stuck to the text which says, Yamut vayechalash, which means dies and weakens, as opposed to the expected yechalash vayamut, to weaken and then die. So some commentaries say that the order is not important because it's poetry and the sequence is not always in order. But I think that Eov may not be talking about the sickness that comes before death, but the deterioration and the weakening of the physical entity after death. 
And what he's trying to say here, as he's grappling with the question of whether death and resurrection is a solution, is that for man, life going towards death is a one-way street. There's no going back. And this fits with, the, the reason I'm translating it this way is because it fits with the following verses. So the comparison fails essentially, a Bildad's comparison fails because while a tree is cyclical and it can be replanted by its roots and come back, a human has a linear direction. Once it goes into the grave, it stays there. And now a better metaphor, a more, more apropos metaphor is given by Eov. Like water runs out of the sea, once it runs out of the sea, like a river becomes arid and dries out. And Perhaps by the sea, the yam, he means tidal pools which dry up, uh, because really oceans don't really dry up completely. Or maybe he just, his, his awareness of how it works is that when the water is taken from the sea, it, it never cycles its, its way back. But man, lies down never to arise, or similarly, like the water, the water which disappeared from the ocean and the waterbed which has run dry, a man lies down never to arise, not until the heavens are, go- are gone do they awaken, they do not stir from their slumber. It's possible that death here is only a metaphor. And unlike a tree that doesn't die, that is, if you look at the metaphor with a tree, the tree doesn't die and then come back to life, but it is nearly dead, only its roots survive, or maybe a branch, and then it could restore itself via some kind of change. So therefore, a man who is in his ruination of his life, as Eov is, not that he's dead, but that he is near death, so he cannot find a way to be recovered once he comes to this terrible state. However, there's no question that the simpler read of the text is that he is referring to the question of resurrection, which brings us back to the question that we've had before from Eov, although Eov did not explore it nearly as much as he did here. So here are the possibilities. The question is, one, does Eov reject the afterlife out of hand? That is, once you go to the grave, you can't come back. Two, does Eo feel that those who have been uprooted by God do not see the afterlife? That is, those who have been treated by God in this life in this way is an indication that they will never get a chance to see life again. Uh, or as I said before in a previous lesson, is it simply not the job of the Tanakh and therefore its characters to consider resurrection in the calculus of life? And I'll get back to this issue um, further on in this chapter. The, there is a hint in the verse that the afterlife exists but it cannot come into the human's calculation. When he says that um, the person will only come to life, lo yakum ad bilti shamayim, until the heavens come to an end, that could be a, re- a messianic reference, because in many messianic texts, the idea is that the heavens and the earth change in some substantial way. And it's also similar to the what is understood to be a messianic verse in Psalm 72, which reads, yihi shemo olam, his name will be forever, lifne shemesh, yinon shemo, and which, the idea of the sun, as long as the sun maintains his name, and then his name will be yinon, and yinon is considered to be a, a name of the Messiah. So it could be that Eov is hinting at the idea that a person stays in the grave until the world completely changes. But if that's true, then that's such a, that's such a distant Sight. It's not a sight that man can sink their teeth into, and therefore it's not something that they could really calculate when it comes to their own calculus of how to deal with their, their present suffering.
In the next verse, Eov also talks about death, saying that if he could believe in resurrection, or at least use it in his calculus of how to live his life and deal with his problems, it would give him comfort. If only, and yes, here miyitain reverts to its usual meaning, note that the Aramaic for the miyitain above in verse 4 was literally who will set or who will give, but here it is levi, which means halavai, or if only. If only you would hide me in Sheol, Sheol is the grave, the underworld, conceal me until your anger abated, if only you would carve out a time, that is a time to lie dead or dormant, and then remember me. So he wants to believe that he can, he can consider resurrection as a solution to his problems. Im yamut gever Hayichia doesn't really mean will he live, but it means if only he would live. Kol If a person dies and then he would be resurrected, all the days of my duty I would wait. I would wait until my replacement comes. Meaning, meaning either I could bear this miserable life, this tsava. <clears throat> until I get resolution in death and then after death resurrection, or knowing that I will ultimately be resurrected, I could live out the days that I'm going to spend in the grave, bear those days knowing that resurrection would follow. Tikra v'anochia eneka, decha tichsof. I'll follow here, what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow closely the, the explanation given by the Ramban, by Nachmanides, although not exactly. And he says that these verses continue with the idea of, of uh, getting a chance after death. So, Tikra, call me, and I will answer the call. Safeguard the work of your hands. Really means put, put the work in your hands in a safe or in a vault. Uh, and I think this means I'll, I'll gladly call your, I'll, I'll gladly follow your call to the underworld vault because there will be hope afterwards. I think what this means, and it's a very difficult uh, verse, uh, but keeping with the idea of life and afterlife and resurrection after the afterlife or, or as part of the afterlife, you should watch my steps, meaning maybe you should allow me to come easily into the grave and not pay attention to my sins, which means please stop punishing me, stop ruining me, stop making me suffer, let me just die, and then I know that my life after death will be um, uh, satisfactory. My transgression will be locked up like in a purse, and put, you put, you, God, put a salve on my sins. And this is probably the idea of a man lying in the grave with the earth covering him and, in a sense, protecting him from the horrors of this world. So if Eov could be sure that he can consider the afterlife resurrection, then even his death would give him comfort. But unfortunately... Eov sees no life after death, either because he does again, let's go through the possibilities, either because he doesn't believe in it, or he doesn't believe in it for himself because of the way God is treating him, or he believes that a human being can really only concentrate on the reality of this world and not on some possible future world when you're trying to deal with the issues of this world. And if the latter is true, and I'd like to believe the latter is true because it would preserve Eov as a religiously believing man, someone who believes in the resurrection, then even if he can't consider the resurrection, uh, it's still out there even though he can't let it control the way he behaves or the way he deals with this world. And it reminds me of uh, that scene from Lord of the Rings 
uh, and I'm not going to play the clip this time, but there's this very nice scene in Lord of the Rings where uh, Gandalf the White and Pippin are sitting in the second area of uh, the city of Gondor. The first area has already been uh, taken over by the orcs. And uh, Pippin said, you know, I just didn't know it was going to end this way, you know, having to go to die. I just didn't picture it to be, you know, by being killed by orcs. And Gandalf essentially gives him a life after death speech. Um, he talks about the world to come and how this is only uh, the end of one journey, but he describes the beginning of the next journey. And it may give Pippin some comfort, but it doesn't change the reality of how one needs to deal with the terrors of this current world. So I would like to say that's what Eov uh, believes, that he does believe in the resurrection, but since it's such a distant, far thing, and since it really cannot apply to one's life, then one really cannot consider it when trying to deal with the issues of justice and injustice and why God does what he does. It's not enough to say, oh, I, you know, I don't care if God isn't just, because eventually I'll be reborn and everything will be fine. It doesn't alleviate the terror, the nightmare, and maybe even the responsibility to deal with the here and now by what's here and now in front of us. So what Eov does say, in fact, is, However, that is in reality, when a mountain falls, it withers as a stone that, it is, that is removed from its place. And I think the image here uh, is of a volcano or maybe like a, a huge mountain rock slide where, you know, like an entire mountain collapses on something below it. And that mountain simply is not rebuilt. It's simply uh, lost. Avanim shachaku mayim tishtof now he moves to water imagery. Stones are ground down by water that is pummeled into sand. It washes away, that is, I assume the water washes away the soil and the dirt of the earth. So too, and now we go from the metaphor to the reference, so too you have destroyed the hopes of man. Or literally, tikvat shani could be the threads of man, that which which keeps him attached to this world. You bear down on him endlessly, and he departs. And I think that the weight, the tkifa, the litkof that Eov is describing is both the punishments in this world, as well as that eternal pressure of the mound of dirt that covers a person in their grave. It's quite the image, the sense that it's bearing down its weight on the dead. Uh, getting back to the verse, you cause his countenance to change. And again, I think here it means in life with the punishments, as well as that kind of death mask that one gets when one goes, uh, when one dies. And and you cast him off. And now we get to an interesting idea, which is, you know, what happens for the next generation? The next generation, is there something about what a man leaves behind that gives him hope? And Eov says no. Yichbedu vanav velo yeda. His children may become honored or they may become wealthy, but he doesn't know it or he doesn't care about it. If they become afflicted, he does not recognize it. So his friends, if you remember, told him that he could take pleasure that in the end it would all work out for the righteous person. Either the righteous person would be restored or his kids would be restored or his tzetzaim would be restored, his descendants would be restored. And Eov is saying that neither a dead person nor a dying person cares about any of that. Uh, the, the fact that he's talking about the, the, the dead person is obvious. Once a person is dead, he doesn't really care about what comes after him, at least in Eo's view. But I think he's also saying that a dying person, this is the horrible part, that when a person is dying, 
he is so absorbed in his own sickness and his own pain, it changes him and he doesn't see the benefits to others. The fact that his children are happy and dancing around does not alleviate the overwhelming and all-encompassing pain that a person who is suffering so goes through. They're absorbed in their own pain and they have very little attention to spare to what happens to their kids or their grandchildren. Now, I... I'm not saying Eov is right or wrong here. You have to make your own assessment. First of all, whether I'm interpreting the verses correctly, and if I am interpreting the verses correctly, whether Eov is being honest or right, or, or correct, based on what we know of the world. Um, and, and no doubt, there are exceptional people who are on their deathbed in major pain, and all they could think about is giving their you know, grandchildren a kiss and doing the right thing. Um, it, it does, however, remind me of, of what was said in, uh, there's a great TV show called House, as Dr. Gregory House, and I'm not going to play you that clip either, but it was this really nice uh, early episode in season one of the show where the guy says to him, why can't you just let me die with dignity? And House says, you can live with dignity, but no one dies with dignity. And I I have to say, I think there's some truth to that for 99% of the population. Finally, he is aware only of the pain of his flesh, this dying person, and his life withers away, or perhaps, means he mourns only for himself, which means he no longer cares about others. So in the end, Eov cannot imagine life after death, or he cannot imagine how it helps his suffering now. Therefore, he finds no comfort for his suffering and no justification for the way that God is behaving. And because he is a ruined and suffering person, because he has no more dignity, he could focus no longer on the immortality that children bring or the immortality of some future resurrection. And so ends the first round of the discourse. Round two, two starting with Eliphaz, begins tomorrow in chapter 15.